Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hello, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stevenson with New Direction Family Law. And I'm Sarah Hink. We are the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law, according to our intro there. That's right. And we move people from victim to victorious. From better to better. And it's natural to start out better. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm bitter some days. I don't know about anybody else. But yeah, it happens. It happens. So we're talking about and there's there are all sorts of ways to put in writing and get some things settled about custody schedules. And there are lots of ways to do that. So we're going to talk a little bit today about what's a parenting agreement. What kind of stuff can you put in a separation agreement about custody? And then we're going to talk about if you can't settle it those two ways, then you're going to end up in court and there's going to be a court order. Right. How bitter are you? <laughs> really is what we're talking about. I knew I led that if for some reason. That's a spectrum. For the best case scenario... We would hopefully be able to resolve custody in some sort of parenting agreement or separation agreement. And that's a contract. How do you enforce a contract? Well, let's talk about what you need to have a contract. You've got to have two reasonable people. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have people who, even though they have a position of what they want, have to understand that each of them are going to have to give up something. To, to me, not necessarily in the middle, but you're going to have to compromise. And that takes a certain personality and some people going through separation and divorce just aren't at that place yet. Yes. And so when I have initial consultations with people and they're talking about custody, my little attorney senses go on to, okay, is this contentious? Is this something they've already been able to work out amongst themselves? Sometimes in that first phone call, they're like, yeah, we don't really have any custody issues. We've already decided to do week on, week off. It's going really well. Really, we're just going to have our finances and everything just put on paper. And that's great. That's like best case scenario. Right. And then sometimes you start digging into the devil and the details because it's not just week on, week off. There there are lots of things that go into a custody agreement or order. So hopefully they can, if they're that far along, they can work out the rest of it. Yeah. And don't get us wrong. There's people who don't call our office, who don't talk to an attorney, who probably never have any kind of contract as far as parenting. I wouldn't know them. Because I wouldn't come in contact with them. Exactly. I bet some of them exist. They're the unicorns, maybe. (laughs) But what sorts of things do you discuss with your clients about putting into a separation agreement or parent agreement? And probably first, what's the difference? The difference is, one, parenting agreement is a standalone document just about custody. That's all it has in it. Separation agreement, as you said, is a contract, but it not only can have custody provisions in it, but you can have child support, alimony, property division, who pays for college. You put anything in there, the kitchen sink if you want to. Right. So if you have a child out of wedlock, you're not married, then you're most likely not going to have a separation agreement because you were never married to be separated. Right. So you have Um, nothing to separate. Yeah. So in that case, you're most likely just going to have a parenting agreement if you're going to have any form of contract for your custody term. And you can put all sorts of things in a custody contract, separation agreement, parenting agreement. Like you said, when you first sit down with someone, we do an initial consultation and we're starting to do them by Zoom or phone or now we're letting folks come in the office, which I really like because you get to sit across from them and get their vibe. But my first question to them is, you got to tell me about your family and your child and their temperament because there's not a template for custody. It's based on what your family does, what's important to you, how easy your child is to transition, are there mental health issues, all that kind of stuff. Yes. How many things are there to fight about? And also, I think it's important for people to realize when they first are going through the separation or co-parenting all of a sudden, a lot of people have the tendency to think just currently, this is what's going to work today. This is what we agreed upon. And I have to really push them. Okay, I get that it's working today. 
but is this realistically going to work in a year, in two years? Right. Because if you're spending this money to put it into a contract, then you're going to have to come back to the table and rework it if the schedule today isn't going to work three years from now when the kid goes to school. Right. Or we just got to think about these things. Right. My biggest is I always get a chuckle when people say, we just want to spend the holidays together. We're going to be all together. And you have to ask them, okay, so let's say that you meet someone (laughs) and you have a significant other or you get remarried and you have a new baby. Most of the five years down the road, what what is that going to look like? Do you really want to put that into the contract? (laughs) You can now, but let's say, let's don't. Yeah. And it's always, you could always tell them this is your fallback. You guys can agree to do anything you want to and vary from the contract. Doesn't change the contract. And if y'all can't agree on something new, then this is what it's going to be. So if you wanted to spend the holidays together, you can do that and yeah. that sort of thing. I was going to say, remember what I was going to Yeah. <laughs> Neil and Elizabeth both just prepared by coming here today for these this recording. Like Elizabeth has trial tomorrow. It's a breach of contract. It's a breach of contract. Breach of contract. contract. And they, that um, one party was to pay for all of the college education expenses. Mm-hmm. And that party did not. So my client had to take out student loans or third, you know, client loans or parent loans. And so that's part of a separation agreement. And so we're in court because somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. And that's something I also explain to my clients when it comes to the custody terms. That's a child support matter there more so because what we're looking at in enforcing a contract in the breach is, okay, what's the damages? Right. So with that scenario, it's the student loans she had to take out. There's financial damages that you can actually account and put a number on and say, he owes her you know, yes, $50,000. Right. $50, so let's say we have some custody terms where I'm supposed to get Christmas in 2021 or 20, whatever year. Right. And Elizabeth, my co-parent over there, like fails to bring the kids to me for Christmas and I'm out of a Christmas. And let's talk about why you just said that. What can you do? What if I don't bring them back? Is there anything you can do at that moment legally? No, there's nothing. So Christmas has come and passed and I run to an attorney and I'm crying about it. Didn't get my Christmas. Next year he has to have Christmas because that's in the contract. Then what? Then you're, then he could do it again and you still have no remedy. Right. right. There's no actual damages to put a figure Bigger. on. And so if you run to court for a breach of contract, you're going to expend this money on the attorney. And the court's going to say, if you're in the court for the breach of contract, I can't really put a monetary figure on this and I can't change your contract and I can't order right. custody because you didn't file the proper paperwork. Right. So really, I tell people you can't, it's really hard to enforce custody and it is an agreement. agreement. And what you have to do is you can file a breach of contract, but in the same thing or in a separate complaint, then file a complaint for custody. Yeah. And then you can get some attorney's fees for your breach of contract. Right. And then just get a custody order that you can go to the court and enforce much quickly and efficiently. Right. So if you had a court order for custody where you were supposed to have them for Christmas this year and I didn't bring them, you could technically call law enforcement and say, here's my order. And law enforcement could say, hand them over. Yeah. Or they might not get involved at all, which is Generally, what Generally the case. They say this is a civil matter, ma'am. <laughs> I ain't going to touch it. But you can also go to your attorney and then very much quickly file a motion for an order to show cause and ask the court to hold him in contempt for right. failing to give you the kids for the Christmas holiday. And then the court can, because the court always has the, the ability to do what's in the best interest of the child, they can then modify that. So basically, all of this is coming at you. And It's really important here to see, okay, what's the difference between having the contract and who's the contract going to work for? And who do you say, I think we should just go ahead and file in court for custody and get a a custody order, which doesn't mean you have to go have a full-on trial. 
maybe you agree on custody terms and you just put them in a custody order. And sometimes, a lot of times you have to have these conversations with clients because you and I could put together this fabulous parenting agreement and separation agreement and I can send it to the other side, even if they have an attorney. And they don't have to, I can't make them do squat. I, I can't make them respond. I can't give them a timeline. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to pick up the phone with your client and say, well, here's where we are. You either can do nothing <laughs> or you can file a complaint for custody. And I tell them a lot of times that gets people's attention mm-hmm. and then it gets things moving because there are certain things you have to do once you file and start litigation. And also it's important to note that you want something on in, in writing on paper a lot of times if you're, even if your ex is completely removed from the situation and really hard to get in touch with, because it's going to be required for school purposes. Right. It's going to be required for you to sign certain things to get the child a passport. Right. A lot of times that's when I have people come to me and they're like, yeah, he, the father doesn't really come around that much. I'm not sure I need a custody order or anything because I do all the parenting anyways. But I went to go get a passport and they said I need a signature. And then they show up at the office at that time and I say, okay, well, let's just go ahead and file and get you some legal custody. Right, right, right. It sounds like no matter what, you need that. Because at any time, this other parent could come get the kid. They could show up at school. It's what you say, they have a, each parent has a constitutional right to, to parent their child. And right. so there's no custody order in place and dad shows up at school. The school can't stop him from taking this child, and then dad's got him. Exactly. So it's good to just think about all your options right, here. And, right. and that kind of scenario, really, a parenting agreement's not going to work either because that person's probably not going to mm-hmm. work with you at all. Thank you. If you've got a, a parent who isn't, isn't present or gives you a lot of problems, really, it, you're probably saving a lot of time and heartache just to file a complaint. Mm-hmm. And then, they're, then they have to go to mediation. Yes. They have to. You can't not go. Yeah, that's court-ordered mediation in North Carolina for anyone that follows custody litigation. What does that mean? It's, d- it's separate from a private mediation where you're paying a mediator to mediate your case. You go to the court without attorney. Even if you have one, like if, if I'm on the case, I don't go with you. I'll give you some prep. I'll talk to you beforehand. But you and the other parent go to the courthouse, meet with a court-appointed mediator, and see if you can work out some custody terms. And 99.9% of people really do, I think. Oh, I would probably lower it to um, maybe 72. In my experience, let me put it that way. Also, my specific experience, I'd lower it even more, probably. <laughs> but just, it does happen every once in a while. And always encourage it if it's possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it's possible. And then also you get the opportunity. They don't make you sign it right then and there. Right. So you leave the courthouse, you... Agreed on terms, a mediator office is going to, and this is specifically Wake County. Some other counties might do it differently. We'll draw up the terms of what you guys discussed and agreed upon. At that time, you can have your attorneys review it and I can look at it myself and say, okay, you agreed on this. This is just my input. Maybe I don't have much of an input. I'm like, great, that looks so good. Or did you think about this? Are you sure you're okay with it? And at that point, you either sign it or perhaps your attorney redrafts it with a little bit more concrete mm-hmm. terms and making sure that it's going to work for you. Yeah. So when you go to mediation, like you said, when we talk to clients and sort of prep them to do that, ask them things that are important to them because sometimes the parenting agreement through the mediation is sort of a template sort of thing. Yeah. It doesn't take into consideration things that may be important to this family yeah. in particular. And also there's some cases out there you might be a third party asking for custody where I've had this happen in the mediator's office drafts the order and it doesn't really cover all the things that are necessary for it to be a good order if you're a third party asking for custody. So it requires a little bit more legal work than just everyone agrees when there's someone that's not in present, like maybe a biological father. So just be careful of that as well. But it's a good opportunity to yes. resolve your case. 
with the help of a mediator who is familiar with family law, mm-hmm. hopefully, and keep your costs low for attorneys. Then you can also, and I always say, keep an ear out. If you just want to sit there and be quiet, that's cool too, because then you can figure out what it is they want or what they're asking for, and that can give us some insight and maybe help settle. Right. The case. Yeah. And there are some uh, exceptions. If there's domestic violence, right. sometimes you can get a, a file a motion to have that mandatory mediation set aside so right. you don't have to participate in that. So right. if you're a victim of violence, we can also navigate that world too. Absolutely. And they, in general, and there's, I think in the statute, if you're 50 miles from the courthouse, you can wait, but now they're doing a lot of stuff Zoom. So yeah. hopefully we encourage everybody to still do it anyway. Right. They are. And if one party's very far from the courthouse, and I think we should be able to settle that anyway. <laughs> you can't have 50-50 custody with people who live in two different states. Yeah, and that um, becomes a problem sometimes is that there are some people who are just stuck on not only 50-50, but 50-50 down to the minute. And so didn't it, when I have that sort of case, I know it's not about the child anymore, for the most part. Yes. You know. Yeah, and it's just hard because you have to be realistic about this is a custody order really for the benefit of the child. Right. Uh, you, a lot of people come at it and it's for the benefit of them. Right. You know, what's going to make my life easier? Well, I want the custody schedule built around my work schedule. Right. And me and what's going to make my life easier. I don't really care about the other parent, but that affects the child too. But a lot of times it's hard to really get people to come to an agreement if there was ever any kind of issues during the marriage, like you broke up because you couldn't communicate, well, you might not be able to communicate and resolving your custody issues either. And that's the thing is if you're doing joint custody, you have to co-parent. You cannot just parallel parent like walking beside each other, not on the same page. It just doesn't work. And then legal custody is huge. Right. That is something that gets me in court a lot is I don't care really much about 50-50 custody, but I do care about the decision-making power. Right. And you see, see that a lot lately for some reason. There's always one parent that and I think this is a lot. It's like whoever was the primary parent when they were together, and it could be dad or mom, and I understand this completely. You have an, you have an affinity and a feeling and a protectiveness over, I've been the primary parent. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, and this kid's pretty good. And so why should that change? Right. Just because we're separated. I, why can't I still be the primary and make those decisions? Give the other person a chance. We right. have this kid together. And also when you're during the marriage, if you're, kind of taking on different roles it's mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge okay you're doing this the other person might be doing something else that you weren't doing right now everyone has to come to the plate and do everything for themselves right including when it's their time to have the kid make those decisions and work together to make those big decisions before you trusted each other maybe you still do but you want to be involved in making sure that they're not just unilaterally making decisions that's going to affect your life yeah. and then you have the opposite where one parent really doesn't want to be that involved and so I have some parents like this that are just exhausted, like, I need a break. I need him to take some responsibility and take more time, but you can't, can't make, you can't make somebody do that. No. And it's hard to, under, to help somebody understand that. Hey guys, it's Jen with New Direction Family Law. And if you've ever known a friend that's gone through some sort of a custody dispute, you can imagine how stressful it is. Or if you've gone through a custody dispute yourself, child custody disputes can be one of the most stressful and exhausting times of divorce for you and your children. You know your children best, and it's important that you know your legal rights and options and have a say in what's in the best interest of your children. At New Direction Family Law, we have over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients in child custody matters. We aggressively advocate, we support, and we educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. 
So if you're going through a child custody matter or you have a loved one that is, let us be strong for you so you can be strong for your children. Give us a call today at 919-719-3470 to schedule an initial consultation or reach out to us via our website at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. We had an attorney in the office recently, uh, I think when their client more than 50-50 custody, right. and then he was like, well, she's complaining about it. Right. <laughs> it's like, Wait, she's like, I got this win. Why do I have to take care of the kids more than 50% of the time? That's not fair. I need to do it too. I don't think what we do is just cookie cutter. And that's a perfect example of it. Where yeah. from one end of the spectrum, no, I want to make all the decisions and do this. And then you have the other part. Well, that doesn't seem quite fair. We just split this up and do it evenly. So I have a case where it's the parties agree that dad's going to have legal custody in the separation agreement. Mm-hmm. And everything went haywire. Of course it did. Mm-hmm. Because if you... And then it ends up in court anyway. So they go and file custody because the separation agreement's not being adhered for. Right. And then dad still gets legal custody. And you use that to corroborate it. Like we are talking about before, where it's harder to enforce custody terms in a separation agreement. It's easier when you have a custody order. But you can use any terms that you agreed upon previously to say, hey, court, he agreed with us beforehand. Right. Now he's saying he doesn't agree, but it sh- it's not that big of a deal then. Why should Twice exactly. And then some judges, and I have a couple of cases like this where, like, mom will be able to make the medical decisions. And dad will be able to make the decisions about school. So it sort of tempers that. It gives everybody a feeling of, oh, I got a little piece of in charge, but it's not joint. Because people wonder, what do you, you know, judges say, you have joint custody and you have to agree. Sir, what happens if they don't agree? Yeah, people don't. That's why we're here today. <laughs> okay. so if you could help us out and put some language in there about that, it'd be really helpful. Yeah. So what kind of, what language can you put in a court order or what can the court do to get those decisions made without everyone running to the courthouse every week? One, we'll talk about this parenting coordinator, but the other one is you can put some fallback languages, like if y'all can't agree, then you have to go back to the mediator or you have to go to a certain person they agree on, like a counselor or someone, if they're religious, about a church elder or somebody like that. Therapist or the doc, like for medical decisions, if y'all can't agree, then you're going to follow what the doctor says. Right. But there are some fallbacks in there. That you what if you do. can't agree on the doctor? Oh, it's a whirlwind. <laughs> it's just all over the place. Going down a rabbit hole. No. Yes. Uh, are there any terms that you can include in a in a contract, a separation agreement or a parenting agreement that the court would not order in terms of custody? Unless it's against public policy or is not in the best interest of the child, I think that if it's something your particular child needs or has a has an, a medical issue or a mental health issue or something like that, I think that you can put it in there. Unless I'm yeah, have well, one example in a contract. Well, in a contract, you have more power to put terms in there. Right, 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 it, right. It's whatever is going to work for you. I'm always people when they break up. Sometimes there's I don't want him to. Have anyone around the kid that unless we're married, or right. unless they're married right. or they're like related by blood. And to me, I know that the court's not likely to order that unless there's some serious problems with someone introducing multiple people all the time. So right. Over. So that's their attitude pretty much is with the child with you, we're going to assume that you're going to do what's in the best interest of the child. Right. May not mean what you would do, parent one, but parent two, if you want to do that and not no harm to the child, no harm, no foul. Yeah. But if you want to put it in a separation agreement, a lot of times I'll say, Unless they're in a significant long-term relationship and you define what that would be. Or you've been dating at least exclusively three months and then you can. Yeah, that's what I like. I like to advise people. Let's not force him to marry someone. Let's look what happened the last time you married someone. Let's look at that. Last time he married you. You want that? Yeah, and, and that's the court's role too. They're not in the role of policing people's like other relationships, their religion. No, but then have them do that though for relationships. 
And, and like you said, mm-hmm. and, and there are multiple partners moving through this child's life, which it can't be in their best interest, I don't think. But uh-huh. religion, that's a sticky topic because it's a constitutional sort of issue. And yeah. you may have one who's Protestant, one who's Jewish or whatever, and can't say you have to go to the Methodist church when you're a dad. Dad gets to make his own decision. Yeah, you go whatever church you want to on your own time. Right. Yeah, that's been my experience with the judges, but you never know what you're going to get these days. That's true. So true. it's always a new journey down that lane. But yeah, right. that's just, you get more flexibility if Absolutely. you're doing a contract or even a consent order. Say you file in court and you agree on terms and you put it into a court order the judge signs as opposed to having a hearing because you're really throwing the dice Absolutely. in front of the judge. Yeah, but if you could do it in consent order, I like custody and child support and alimony if you're paying it <laughs> in a court order. But property for the most part, I and mean, we're not talking about that, but that's a good, you know, separation. But don't go to court over that unless it's something like major money. Don't do that. I go to court over, it's ridiculous. The smallest ones end up in court sometimes. What are y'all fighting over? Just debt. To fight. <laughs> yeah. And whatever that is. And sometimes you got to make sure that parents are, you got to set aside using this child as a tool or to get back at someone. And sometimes you have to have some really hard talks with clients about even though they're your client you need to calm down and we need to back off and you need to look at what's in this child's best interest and his best interest is to have a relationship with the other parent true my clients are all perfect so i don't know that as much (laughs) just kidding it's not true but it's tough because you think about reasons your relationship failed Failed. and that you're going to come across those same issues in co-parenting correct and if there's mental health issues involved or anything of that sort you're going to have to work with this person for the X amount of years while the kid's in school. Right. And then not so much afterwards. I mean, you're still going to interact, but it's like simple things like communications, like I'm in a case now and I get all these like 4,132 text messages in the last three months. And the other side is saying he won't, he doesn't respond. So he's yeah. not co-parenting. And, and my client's position is I, I can't. I'm overwhelmed. I, one shuts down. And t- this is exactly what happened in marriage, too. That communication style is just flown over to custody. Yeah. Be careful who you have a kid with, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you never said, you, know, you lay down, you end sex with this person, and you had this baby. So we need to figure this yeah, out. Yeah. We are here today. Hey. This is what we're dealing with today. Be careful in the future. Learn something. But, but you really got to any good advice is to talk to your own counselor about how to co-parent with this other Correct. person. Correct. A lot of times at that point, the ship has sailed on trying to go to therapy with that other parent. Parenting, not therapy per se, but coaching or whatever. Have then, anyone do that? I have. I have, actually. Sometimes and sometimes not. It depends. It depends. <laughs> Everyone, I, all my clients are like so against it at the point that when they come to me. Or they, something, they're already like, past that. I know. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this before, but then another option you can put in separation agreement or even in a court orders parenting coordinator. Mm-hmm. So how can that help them? Ex- parenting coordinators are tough. So this is third, a third person. I think we've talked about it on here before, and they're going to listen to both sides, both parents, and ultimately make a decision about what they're arguing about. If, right. the, if there's a court order, then the court order has to state that they have the power to make that decision. But generally, that is the process. And they'll speak to other third parties, teachers, therapists, and help them in making that decision that two people disagree on. So it can be helpful. It can also be very expensive because this person's not just right. making decisions and spending their time on your parenting. Out of the goodness of their heart. Yes. So it can be expensive. They can make decisions you don't agree with. A lot of times one parent feels like they're conspired against. Right, right. And it's good in theory. It doesn't always work, work. out. I don't agree with that. Especially when you get the bill sometimes. And But it, 
Otherwise, it can be helpful. I honestly just like when people can't agree that someone does have that final decision. decision making. And you don't have to wait months and months to get in right. court. You can get a decision. And I want it to be my client. And they can always uh, call it appealing, but, but you can always file something to ask the judge to review mm-hmm. it. So it's not a, I do have some power, but the judge ultimately has final. But it, it's, there's just some parents who will disagree on everything. Right. What schools to go to, what tutors to use, what sports to play. Just so much, all these decisions where they they can just cannot work together. And if I get any kind of feeling from my first consultation with someone, that's the direction they're going in. Then automatically I, I say, even if we can agree to, on terms, I want them in a court order. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Hardly. So yeah. what's the difference? That, so if you have a court order, and you mentioned we, we just throw terms out there. You file a show cause, a contempt. What does that mean? Do that. Basically, you're coming to the court and saying, I have this court order that you issued, Your Honor, and there are these... You know, orders of the court and he violated or she violated one of the orders of the court that they were supposed to do, like right. a custody exchange at Christmas right? or, you know, something to do with corporal punishment or custody. I don't know. Why are there so many violations? I, know. I can't even think <laughs> of one right now. Like, what? how are people doing everything so wrong? But they do. And so then, or they didn't call me or the other parents blocking the phone call. Right, right. So you put it into a motion saying, this is the order. They didn't follow this part of the order. I'm asking the court to hold them in contempt for violating the order. And what are the consequences of your first of all, they can hold you in criminal contempt, which means jail time. That's rare in custody occasions unless it's ongoing. And really egregious, I agree. Yeah. Yes. But they have constantly late, constantly withholding the child. They have put people in jail. Yeah. You're gonna have to pay some attorney's fees, most likely if you're found in contempt. They can you can ask the court to go ahead and modify the current, current order. order to you make it so that this isn't gonna happen. If he's not bringing you the kids, then this order's not gonna work. So we got to change it and make sure this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that can be said for all these court orders that we have is the contempt power of the court, and that's why it's really good to. And that's really the difference between the parenting agreement and the separation agreement and the court order. Yeah, and if you're working with someone that's constantly manipulative and there's narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. and if you come to an agreement, what's on the other person's terms because they'll never ever actually agree with you, mm-hmm. then it's good to go ahead and get it in a court order as well. I agree because if something needs to change and they're not going to work with you, might as well file in court and. Rely on your attorney. Exactly. Both parties have attorneys to work with everyone to come to a new agreement. Or all else fails, you end up in front of the judge. Right. Judge will be happy. No one's happy. (laughs) We just want everybody to be happy. You guys have talked a lot about. uh, As we talk a lot. Well, (laughs) your attorneys, it's part of the job description. (laughs) Going to court and court orders and custody mediation, everything. So if you looking right now, and I know we're most familiar with Wake County being that's our primary county, what does that timeline look like for folks right now? So if they come in for a consultation today and they're like, okay, yes, let's file a custody complaint. When are they getting before the judge if they can't agree outside court? It's like temporary custody is that's. We call it temporary custody. It's It helps us get into court quickly, and they automatically give you a court date when you file in mm-hmm. Wake County for it. And that we can go on and on about the differences. Don't worry about the differences. Hey, don't worry about it, please. <laughs> Anyways, for your temporary custody court date, it's usually within the first two months. It is. Sooner than others. But what I tell my, and you may tell your clients this too, is that I'm, we're limited to an hour, which means I get 30 minutes spent on your case, and they get 30 minutes. And then the person who does not know you, never seen you, mm-hmm. Cranky because they've got 10 cases in front of you is going to make a decision about where your child is going to be. And that's great incentive for people to come to a good right. order, so at least temporarily to get over the hump. Yeah. And so when we also get that automatic court date, you also get an automatic date for the custody mediation. mediation orientation. 
and then you can get that court-ordered mediation and, and do that before the court hearing. Which right. Too. But if you're filing a motion to modify, March, April, May now, because you're going to need at least uh -huh. a day. If you modify, you're going to have a day, two, three-day trials, not an hour, not two hours generally, because you got because you've gotten to this point because there have been a lot of issues. Yeah. And sometimes years and years have gone by, and so you've got a lot of of time to cover and that court order stays in place even though it's not working so six months you're on hold and for the you can still do the court ordered mediation or the court process mediation right. if you're filing for a modification or we maybe, could do the private mediation maybe go to the private mediation which will help because a lot of times the mediators that we choose are other attorneys right. just like us who work in the same area and really know how to play devil's advocate with everyone exactly. kind of be our, our they just help us get everyone on the same um, playing field if they can, if right. there's someone that's controlling the situation and, and just scare them into going to court too. Right. And there are some things that can't wait that aren't necessarily an emergency, but especially when school starts, if you can't agree, I got to get in here. So you can do, you can put some one or two issues and you can just put that before the judge and let the judge make those quick. Yeah. If you can get from the judge or an alternative would be an arbitrator, which would have an, another, it's like a, a mediator kind of private attorney position and the arbitrator will then decide. I and mean, you can put that in their decision and get that certified by the court. Right. And then you can have a court order actually be more efficient, most likely. And let's talk about the other thing is this is expensive. Yes. And so that's sometimes, and it's unfortunate because one parent or one party may have the means and the other party doesn't have the means. And so a lot of times I just acquiesce because they don't know what, and sometimes it's easier not to fight back. You just, yeah, but, you know. That's a personality trait too. Right. And just, I want things to be peaceful. I want right. to disagree. And I'm like, I get it. I want you to agree too, but they're not going to. Right. And that's a really tough place to be in. Many, I discuss with my clients about how the statutes allow us to ask for attorney's fees. Right. And file for custody. But the reality is that's not always ordered. Um, right. And if you get an order for attorney's fees to be paid by the other party, that it's not going to be all the attorney's fees, most likely. Or it could be $100 a month or whatever. So right. never, fortunately, you can't count on that, unfortunately. Uh, but if you're looking at custody that's not working, make sure that you're journaling, right. you're documenting, you're keeping things in writing. And North Carolina is a one-party consent state, so you can record any interactions. Just don't have, like, a camera in anyone's face or the kit. Right, or the kit. Don't. And don't flip. Yeah. Oh, people put, like, recorders in children's books. Don't after. do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> Judges don't like it. I know. They'll be like, Sarah, Sarah, look at this great recording I got. And I'm like, oh, I can't use that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't do that. Then Don't tape them FaceTiming on that with that or whatever. Yeah, don't it just turns into this vicious cycle. Yeah. They're obsessed with your custody case, and you're really losing focus. Right. So just journal, keep your notes, keep the text, keep the email. Don't, I mean, don't journal any crazy feelings. That's come up in court, too. People, well, no, we don't journal things like I want to kill, you know, no. kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of how you actually, actually feel. You're just documenting <laughs> dates. Factual dates. Yes. Yes. And, and when you're emailing and texting, don't be factual. Don't go off. Don't call him an asshole. Don't tell you. And they can get your, we can, we can get our hands on your other right. with other third parties. So, so be careful, be careful what, you're, what you say to other people. I, you call your friend. You text your ex. Yeah. What about, and I think we've talked about this a little bit in our, the social media, the divorce your ex and your social media. media. So the texting, but a lot of people communicate with all these other apps or Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or whatever it is. So can you get your hands on those communications as well? well we can ask for them in discovery and they're supposed to turn them over. They don't always. Uh, 
sending a subpoena to Facebook or what is it called these days? Max? Um, Meta. Meta. It's Metaverse. I don't know their new legal <laughs> team. Those sort of subpoenas are hard to get your hands on. There's, you can ask to own things. things. Yeah, you can take get an order to give me your phone and your computers and we can go make a copy of it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and if you're still still together. <laughs> yeah. And it's just laying there, you know. Oh, yeah. I'll make a copy of that. There are ways. And people think, well, I deleted that, though. You have yeah. To and I also there. just tell them, if you're in a custody battle, you're under the microscope. Like, what might be okay for other parents who are either married or just co-parenting? They're not obsessed with their, their ex having a beer or two or when they're with the kids, but they're going to be on you hardcore. So right. you've got to make sure that you're minding, you know, your P's and Q's. Hmm? Yes, that's correct. I never those that man. What is it stand for? Pleasantries and quaintness. I have no idea. I thought it was just the letters of the alphabet. <laughs> Stand for something. Joe, can no. you look that up? <laughs> That'll be our little nugget. Fact <laughs> we always have a really weird fact, so that would be it for the day. Yeah, but, you know, I've I've pulled dumpsters. Not really dumpsters. Whatever, they're trash cans. Oh, yeah. No, they're recyclers. Like, get somebody. You've got to yeah. buy it. Don't go on their property. But if it's sitting on the street, get a picture because if there are beer bottles and water bottles and they say they're not drinking, they're, that's, then go, let's go find something. You can pull up the, get their bank account statements and they're oh, buying a little right. ABC store. I know what those charges look like. Right. Yeah. I, I don't care what your child has told you. It ain't coming. It's not coming in. The judge is not going to hear that. You don't know what happens in that other House. Right. So that's why you need to have evidence right. that and if you can. Children are really good at manipulating. Like, absolutely. absolutely. They, they see you light up when you tell them something that you <laughs> want to hear, and they'll just keep doing that to both parents. So if we're having any of these conversations with you, then you're best off having a, a custody court order. You're way down the road. And, there's, and that's not inherently bad on you. We're not saying that's a negative thing. A lot of people cannot work this out. It's a hard time and a very emotional time. And when you have children involved, that just ramps it up a hundred million percent. Yeah. And I have clients come to me and we don't ever file before we go to a private mediator. But in the private mediation, I say, listen, I want these to be in a court order. Oh, yeah. So we file what we call a friendly complaint, meaning that the other side knows it's coming. I know that we're filing. We keep what we put in the complaint really simple, just making sure we cover the relief that we want. Right. And then we just go ahead and have everyone sign the consent order and we file the complaint and submit the consent order pretty much simultaneously and get those terms in a court order. Right. And sometimes, and I've had cases like this where you can put in, if there's an issue with alcohol or drugs, that you're going to do random drug tests. And, and some people don't want that down in the courthouse Mm-mm. in a court order kind okay. of thing. So they won't agree to do that. And that's difficult. So then it puts you in a bad position. Just go. We'll let the judge order it. Exactly. Then yeah. it's really in the <laughs> courthouse. <laughs> so generally, we can work that out. But those are sorts of things like oddball, not really weird things, but those are things you can put, you have to blow. When you big this child up and every three hours while they're with you and that kind of thing. So that's why, again, think about your own family and what's important to you and what you need. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what your friend, Jack, down the street, friend told you you ought to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Do we get an answer on the P's and Q's? Yeah. It's not going to be as satisfying as we want it <laughs> oh. to be. It's an English language expression, meaning mind your manners. Uh, when they try to figure out where it came from, some people think it comes from like typesetters because P's, Q's, and B's. All look the same, so pay attention when you're putting something in the typeset. <laughs> I like this one that says, um, from the 17th century, bartenders would tell people to watch their P's and Q's, which was a shorthand for pints and quarts. I'm here for that. I like that. That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. There's also this, uh, so all kinds of fact checking uh, says that P kind of sounds like please and Q sounds thank you. 
with that. Mind your please and thank yous. Listen, I'm just saying what I'm saying. Thank yous yourself. Pleasantries and quaintness. <laughs> but I like the the pints and quarts. I like that. Where do I order a quart around there? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, one one question that has actually come up a couple of times recently. Is there ever an instance we've talked about private mediators versus the court mediated <laughs> or appointed mediators? Is there ever a time where it's just the parties and that private mediator, or is there always attorney representation? Actually, I have a case like that right now. And part of, I see this a lot, and I'm not sure I like this provision, but it says before you can file a complaint or go to court, you have to mediate. Oh, yeah. And then, which makes me insane. Please don't put that in there. <laughs> don't put that in it's there. It's in a lot. And so, my, a lot of fam- certified family financial mediators or custody mediators generally will not represent pro se clients. But there are lots of mediation firms, and that's what they do, that they will. Or you can find a therapist who's certified as a mediator that can do that. A lot of times attorneys, family law attorneys, will not. And especially if one party has an attorney and the other party is pro se, that's hard to find somebody. Yeah, I know a couple in White County. Is that, you know, that's hard because you can't give legal advice. So I think if both parties have attorneys, then those two people that are there to mediate can get legal advice. And I think for some attorneys that are mediators as well, that really crosses right. the line for right. them because they want to give it because they're biting their tongue <laughs> because they know this stuff and they really want to do it. So they just they don't take those mediations. But like Elizabeth said, there are mediators who specifically work with pro se parties to people that don't have attorneys. Which I think is great because when on the court calendar, it's like there may be 20 people on the calendar and 15 of them now are pro se. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people are not represented by attorneys. Is to me scary. As well, if you're scary. Yeah, and it just you. A lot of people don't realize what's going to happen until after that first hearing, and then they come to us right. like, "Oh my gosh, this was terrible. terrible! The judge found all these things bad about me, and they're not even true." And I totally got railroaded, and it's hard to come out of that because the next judge is going to review that last custody order, whatever the order was, and right. whatever it said, and they're not going to think that judge is lying. Okay. But- but then you're assigned a judge for your life or your case. And so he's already got a bad taste in his mouth about you. Yeah. And if you come to us first, perhaps we could have, you know, headed yeah, that off. It's always right. more expensive on the back end. Yeah, and they, we can't fix it sometimes, yeah. unfortunately. I agree. Yeah, so if you're listening and do you think you might need a parenting agreement or can or it's all issues, separation agreement, then talk to your attorney or us about that. Or Absolutely. if there's issues already with co-parenting, really consider doing a custody consent order. Yeah. Even absolutely. if you agree on everything at the I moment. I agree with that. It doesn't mean just because you have a consent order doesn't mean you're an, there's any animosity. You're just looking out for the, really for the best interest in case something does happen down the road. Yeah. Someone moves away. Yeah, exactly. Or doesn't drop the kid off at Christmas. Yeah. I won't we'll do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the kid to me. Our imaginary child. Right. Yeah. So everyone out there, mind their peace. Your cues. And <laughs> ain't that some <laughs> Thanks for listening. This episode is complete. Visit newdirectionfamilylaw.com for show notes and resources. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more resources and information. And remember, with change comes empowerment.